You need more than just technology to make a lasting change in this world. And that's why Neon One offers a nonprofit platform that's designed to grow with you, providing software and resources that help nonprofit professionals make their connections that matter. Connections with their peers, connections with their supporters, and connections with their mission. Learn how Neon One makes it easy to design amazing generosity experiences by visiting neonone.com slash good. Hey, I'm John. And I'm Becky. And this is the We Are For Good podcast. Nonprofits are faced with more challenges to accomplish their missions and the growing pressure to do more, raise more, and be more for the causes that improve our world. We're here to learn with you from some of the best in the industry, bringing the most innovative ideas, inspirational stories, all to create an impact uprising. So welcome to the good community. We're nonprofit professionals, philanthropists, world changers, and rabid fans who are striving to bring a little more goodness into the world. So let's get started. Becky, what's happening? Welcome back. It's time to dive in, and I'm so excited. Yeah, okay. So it's Friday. So first of all, happy Friday to you. You are catching us on week two of our new series for the new year. It's all about the nonprofit trends that we think really matter. For this year. And this is not your typical trends list. This is like things that we have connected between hundreds of conversations here on the podcast and offline and the DMs of our community and just looking at what really is moving the needle, what meets the moment. And here's a word that keeps coming up that we just want to tone set all these conversations with is evolve. And if you are going into this year with scarcity, with looking around at everything that feels like it is gloom and doom on the media right now, it can feel completely overwhelming. But if you go in with an open mind that this is the year that you're going to evolve and you're going to figure out the assets that you have and figure out your people that are surrounding your work and figure out how you can lean into this work in a really sustainable way, it becomes like really exciting. And I think that's the tone that we want to go into all these conversations. And so if this is your first Friday, go back and listen to last Friday's to give you an overview. But today we're going to go deep dive into trend number one, which is self-growth. And guys... We are giving you permission because maybe you're waiting on it to say, it's okay to invest in yourself. It's okay to make time and space for yourself. We know it feels like you're the dog, you know, that's typing with the world burning down all around you (laughs) on occasion, maybe in your nonprofit, but we're saying this is the year to evolve. This is the year to pour into yourself. And we've got a little roadmap for you for personal growth for this season. So here's a little bit of framework and it's got six steps right here. One, we want you to celebrate where you are right now push pause, you know, and think about what you've accomplished, not only in 2022, but as you kind of come out of this pandemic, what we have done to get to the point that we are personally and professionally needs to be paused and celebrated. Now, number two is we want you to set intentions to align your habits and actions around what you want to accomplish both personally and professionally, because we believe developing habits is a great practice, you know, better than setting just a bunch of goals that you want to do. But what's something that you can habitually pour into that becomes just a part of who you are? You know, what does that look like? Is there, you know, stepping away and giving yourself rest for a year? Is there once a month that you come in and you pour into a certain webinar or a podcast series? Find whatever that intention and habit it is and start putting it into practice. Maybe you have a word for the year. Is it a goal? A lot of people do vision boards or a feeling. Lean into how you find that inspiration and wrap a habit around it. And number three, 
advocate for yourself. I want you to do what we call a left-handed move, which is something that is entirely uncomfortable and awkward to us, which is walking up to your leader and saying, you know what? This is the year I really want to pour into myself and my learning and here are the things I want to do. That's a time where you either ask for budget or you ask for support. And if there's nothing in the budget for y'all, it's okay. There are plenty of free resources, free summits. You've got podcast spaces, blogs. There are ways to self-learn and we are here to help equip you. Number four, create space for yourself. You and your team need space quiet, rest, and distance. It may seem antithetical, but having that space allows you to get more creative. It fuels these new ideas and energy that comes in. When you're constantly on, you know, just that beating that drum and always feeling like you have a million things and tactics to do on your bucket list, it's like that can distract you from the space that we just need some time to dream and think about where we want to go and push our mission so we're not doing the same old thing. Number five, don't give yourself a deadline. We are giving you that gift because self-growth is an ongoing process. It's not a to-do list. And the last thing is share what you're learning. Share it in community. Share it with your team. Share it for sure with your boss. If you're having great insights, things are working, bubble that all the way up to the board. Push it out to your community. Ask people to join you. And I really think that we can make personal growth something that's a habit and that's trending for all of us. I mean, okay, that's such a good playbook. And this is all going to be in the show notes. If you want to go back over those six, I feel like that's a, such a good starting place. But in all these conversations on Fridays, we also want to point you to people that are doing it really well. And so today I want to lift one of our favorite episodes in people is Tanisha Nash Laird. Oh, love she, you, Tanisha. I know. She's just like such an incredible energy and force for good. And, you know, when she was starting at the Newark Symphony Hall, she's now starting this incredible new path of her career, but she was talking about coming into an organization and, you know, what's one of the first moves as a leader? A lot of times we think about people just having decisions before they've even met people, or maybe they have preconceived ideas, but she started this listening tour and started understanding where people were at. And her first move was putting together a professional development plan for everybody on the team. And that's the kind of evolved leadership that's prioritizing self-growth that we want to lift and think about um, lifting this year in our own organizations. She had a really powerful quote that said, your current situation is not your final destination. And what a quote to hang our hats on as we kind of start this year. But look at this, think about this. It has to be intentional. And so as we're starting the year, what's the plan for yourself and what's the plan for your team and how can you kind of help shepherd those conversations along? You know, we can't talk about any of these trends without arming you with some pro tips because it's one thing to learn, but it's another thing to activate. And the first tip is release the burden of guilt that you're spending too much time on yourself. We are preconditioned to feel badly about spending time on ourselves because we should be pouring into the mission, into the people on the front line, into this to-do list of a litany of things to do. No more. You are worthy of this time. Please release that guilt and shame and embrace this evolution that can become you. The second one is make a 1% shift somewhere in your life. 
You may start somewhere small, but the important thing is just to start. Maybe just start with one podcast. Perhaps you're st- the fact that you're here is showing that you're already leaned into that. Maybe start a blog. Maybe start listening and following someone on LinkedIn, but the intention is to start. And then the other thing is really put something on your calendar that says, this is a priority for me. Whether that's once a month, you're pouring into something. Maybe it's a cohort that you're getting involved in. Maybe it's taking time to read some newsletters. Put that onto your calendar because there's always going to be a million and one reasons why you don't have time to pour into learning and pour into yourself. You are worthy of it. And we're giving you that gift in 2023 to make it a priority. And my friends, we wouldn't want to have these conversations in our own echo chamber, which is why we've designed this series for the next nine Fridays to not just share what we're seeing and share the pro tips and kind of these examples, but also invite the most powerhouse of friends and people back to the podcast to give us their advice and what they're seeing and really some actual things. So we were going to quote Mallory Erickson, but instead we decided let's just have her back on the podcast. <laughs> so true. <laughs> And if you're new to the podcast, you just need to know that Mallory is one of those individuals that we absolutely lean on to tell us about what is working right now in the modern day nonprofit. She has an incredible business. We hope you go check it out at MalloryErickson.com, where she is really out there successfully coaching hundreds of fundraisers and organizations to increase their fundraising capacity by combining like their tactical fundraising expertise with the best executive coaching out there. What does that mean? It makes that Mallory helps you feel good about going (laughs) out and moving money faster. She has coached us personally um, as a team. And every time we share space with her, we lean in and learn from her expertise and leadership. So she is the founder of Power Partners Formula, and we are so delighted she is back in our house for the three-peat. Hi, like Mal. the fourth or fifth Pete? Is it the fourth <laughs> or fifth? Hi. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for that very generous introduction. I'm thrilled. I love you guys, and I love the pod. So happy, happy to be here. I mean, we were joking that you are our phone a friend, but I feel like that's what you are because when you speak, like the world stops and we listen because you just have a way to like look at the psychology underneath and like pair that with like the heart and the human aspect of this. And so I'm really excited to have you at the first part of this series. We look about personal growth. So I'd love for you to just help start set the tone with your initial thoughts about where are we at in this moment and what would you tell nonprofit leaders regarding self-growth? Yeah. Well, maybe the first thing I would say is that I think we have this image when we think, when we use terms like self-growth, sometimes what comes into my mind is almost as if I'm not enough right now and I need Mm. to grow into being bigger, right? And we sometimes, I think self-growth in the nonprofit sector becomes a lot of shoulding, I should be able to do X. I should be able to feel differently. And it actually ultimately holds us back and it creates more resistance. And so maybe the first tone I would set is that self-growth is not about any level of inadequacy around where you are right now. It's how do you become the next version of yourself, the next iteration of yourself. You know, when a tree is growing... It doesn't mean the version of it right now is not beautiful, 
but it's going to have a next version and a next version and a next version. And that, when I really think about self-growth and personal growth, it's about that. Like, how do I want to shift? Where do I want to lean into? Where's something, a pattern that keeps coming up for me that I think could look different? Um, And so just to enter into the conversation with some curiosity, some self-love and appreciation, um, it feels very counterintuitive that acceptance fuels growth, but that's the truth. Like self-acceptance, self-love, that's the fertilizer for your tree's growth. And the and the tough love, the beating yourself up, the should, that's going to stop it dead in its tracks. So I'll start us there. I mean, right out of the gate, Mallory gives us a free mom hug and <laughs> allows you to just kind of take a step back. I really do appreciate that because I think grounding ourselves in the journey of where we've been and how far we've come is a really important variable because we move so fast that we sometimes just forget to celebrate and honor, you know, how we're growing as human beings. And so you and I have a lot of conversations about self-growth um, one-on-one. And I, I want you to kind of share with the audience, what does it self-growth mean to you? And how has this shifted throughout your career in a way that we think others might be able to relate? Well, I think, you know, one is about the relationship between healing and self-growth, which is, I think, a little bit around what I was saying before, that sort of acceptance and self-love piece. I think for me, I really did think that self-growth was these other check boxes that I needed to fill out, right? As I sort of lumped self-growth into professional development, right? It was like, I need to, I need to grow, I need to change, I need to develop. Um, and when I think now my journey with self-growth, with personal growth, a lot of it is about the unlearning, about the healing, the parts of me that get in the way of me being able to have the relationships that I want to have or to do the scary thing that I know I want to do, but I'm feeling so much resistance around. And it's so much of it, and we've talked about this before on the podcast too, is about removing the barriers to the action that we want to take. I always have thought about it, and that's sort of why I framed it up that way at the beginning. Like I've always thought about self-growth as an additive practice. I think what I believe today is that it's also a lot about removal and healing, removing the parts of us that have become a part of our journey because of our history, because of our childhood, because of our trauma, recognizing that they're there, not shaming them for being there, but understanding, making conscious decisions about who we want to become, how we want to show up, and then being honest about the things we need to lean into to do that and the things we need to remove to have access to that too. Okay. The universe is telling us something because I feel like we keep coming back to this, that it's like, this is not additive. I love that you're camping out on that. And I, f- I do feel the exhale that I always get when I get to hang with my friend Mal. And I appreciate that because it's really easy, especially in the nonprofit space where typically we don't have all the resources or the people that we feel like we need to do all these aspirational things. Like starting from that place is really, I think, helpful um, on all fronts. So I'm curious, like, as we start to get into some of the practical examples of this, what are some good exercises that you've seen leaders or teams do as they set goals around their self-growth for the upcoming year? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think one is that 
self-growth, both the goal setting around it and the actual growth cannot happen in a time compressor. We are not creative. We are not in touch with our bodies. We are not in touch with our deepest selves when we are on the clock and when we have a countdown to finish our goal setting for the year. And so the first thing I would recommend is really giving your staff and yourself time alone, spaciousness, give them a day to wander around in the woods or to sit on the beach or to lie in the rain, depending on where you are. You know, it's kind of cold in certain places. <laughs> Thanks for giving but... us something applicable in Oklahoma. I'm like, you have the beach, like we need the beach over here. <laughs> something that gives you space. Things come through when there is space. And so if you want your staff to really be able to think about their deep desires for who they want to be and how they want to show up, and you want them to tap into themselves, they need space to do it. That's the first thing. The other thing I would really suggest is, number one, for leaders to recognize that your level of vulnerability and openness around your personal and professional growth is how much openness you're allowing for your team. So to ask your team to share vulnerably how they're trying to grow, who they're trying to be without you doing it too, is an absolutely unfair and unrealistic expectation. So you decide. Psychological safety is not a term. It's a feeling. It's an experience. It's a culture that we create. You cannot say this is a safe place and then ask people to share their vulnerabilities. You lead by example. And so as the leader, the first call to action is for you to get really clear about your growth and your growing edges. And these should not be things that you will definitely achieve They should be the things that you deeply desire and you're going to start to work towards. I think sometimes when we make Mm -hmm. these lists, we're like, we kind of do it with a little bit of like, I definitely want to make sure that my list is realistic and I'm going to be able to check all these boxes by the end of the year and say that I grew in these ways. True, deep self-growth, like that work, that's that's journey. There's no moment where you're like, oh, yay, I'm done growing. And hopefully, I I don't believe (laughs) there is. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think like recognizing that the level of deep thinking that you're going to invite around this starts with you. Those are a few of my kind of initial thoughts. Here's the thing about Mal that I value so deeply. Not only is she hella smart and she brings like (laughs) these frameworks that are understandable, but they're simple, guys. I like we we're not talking about self-growth in a way that you have to have an extravagant plan and a series of mentors and coaches and all of these tactical things, even removing that and just saying these are the desires of your heart. This is what, you know, you want to excavate the unsaid within you mm-hmm. and what is inside. And that is going to lead you to purpose. And I'm just thinking about what a precipitable shift it would be in culture, in leadership, in psychological safety, in personal and personal growth for a leader to start sharing vulnerably, to create space for pause and to even let people know it's okay to embrace the pause and sit in the quiet. Because I can tell you, I'm 20 years into 
nonprofit. And it's been a straight sprint since I hit the ground. I don't remember a lot of times in my career where we just paused. And I'm thinking a lot about values and beliefs. And this is something you and I have waxed philosophical on in the past, because there's a huge trend in the sector right now with all this sort of, um, some of it is vague lip service around how we need to embrace failure or don't be transactional, or you need to implement your values. But these things are really hard to do. So talk to us about how we evolve with our values in the space. What are the questions we ask and where can someone start on that journey? Like today, if they're saying I'm willing to take that first step. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I want to get to that. And I, I want to say one thing about what you just said that I think is so important, which is if you don't know where to start with your deep desires, because I was just having this conversation with someone yesterday that when I felt so disembodied and disconnected from myself, it was really hard for me to be able to say what I wanted, who I wanted to be. Like that did not feel accessible. So if you're hearing this and you're feeling that, here's where you can start. What are some patterns that continually make you feel like you're banging your head against the wall? What's happening? Like what keeps happening that makes you in your head say, I can't believe I'm here again. I can't believe this is happening again. If you could remove those, you know, pick two of those patterns. If you could remove those two patterns, you would feel like a different leader or fundraiser or whatever. And then get curious around those. What might it take? to start to shift that experience for you? What might it take? What is an area where you could grow in terms of your, and I don't say resilience, like the put your head down and work harder resilience, but how can you, what might it take for you to be able to shift your experience with that pattern? Oh, it might take me learning how to calm down when something doesn't go my way okay, what does it look like to calm down? Not in the way we tell other people to calm down when we're uncomfortable, but what does it actually mean to calm down? Okay, it means to get my body in a more grounded state because that makes me really flustered and then I can't make decisions. Okay, so Google, what are grounding exercises? So I think starting with the pain points, if you can't identify where you want to go, can be really helpful line of questioning to drive you there. So I just wanted to make sure people feel like they have an access point, even if they don't know um, that other piece yet. And then, okay, the, the surface level piece. I think the reality is we need to be honest as a sector about what we're encouraging people to do with the words we say and what we're allowing people to do with the structures we set up. So to tell people to fail fast and give one year of grant funding, that is not a structural condition that is going to allow that team to embrace failure because they are going to be too worried about losing the funding and not getting it the next year. Giving an organization a five-year runway And saying, we want to see, we want to be on this journey with you. We know that the beginning is going to involve some failure and some really important learning. And we are with you and we are in this with you. That's how you match the words to the structure. We can't say we want our staff to be less stressed 
and not take things off their plate. We cannot just continue to to press people further and further and further and tell them to just tough it out or get over it or try harder or, but you're committed to the mission, aren't you? And expect that their nervous system is not going to go wild. We are separating in the way we talk about, in my opinion, the way we talk about failure, the way we talk about innovation. We are disconnecting the head from the heart and the body. And in doing that, we're able to have all these really interesting theoretical conversations around what would it look like if we were a sector that embraced failure? But what does it feel like? to be in a sector that embraces failure? What does it feel like in our bodies to know that we are safe when we fail? That requires an entirely different recalibration of how we talk to each other, support each other, give space to each other, fund each other. And until we start to really live out those values, we're just at the surface of those conversations. John? Hit the applause, (laughs) queued up. Um, Goodness. I mean, this, I feel like it's the exact lens you're putting on the psychological safety. Yeah. We're, we're giving like hard eyes on this because it's moving beyond like, what's the trendy, cool thing to say, to try to make yourself a cultural great place to work and actually doing the work and having the space to, I guess, have the conversations to explore it. Are you or your organization exploring your options or planning a tech purchase this year? Whether it's a new CRM system, digital ads, or marketing support, we'd love to introduce you to some of our trusted friends in the sector who are delivering some of the most innovative and easy-to-use tech in the sector. Not only does this help our hearts know that our We Are For Good friends are getting that VIP experience in this journey, but your referral helps us power more free content into this good community. So if you're considering your options or you just need a starting place, our team is here to help connect with us, visit weareforgood.com slash refer, or even just shoot us a DM. That's weareforgood.com slash refer. Hey friends, do you want or need a plan to reach your fundraising goals this year? Or maybe you're looking for a playbook for how to show up with more confidence as a nonprofit leader? Take your skills, confidence, and impact through the roof in 2023. Join us inside We Are For Good's professional development experience and community in We Are For Good Pro. So inside, you'll find workshops and live coaching events with Becky and myself, and you'll even see some of your favorite past podcast guests too. Get activated today at weareforgood.com backslash learn. something that keeps popping in my head in this conversation that I heard from this mentor that's from afar. I wish I knew him in person, but he mentors me from afar that when you feel stuck, it's really more of a time to get still. And I just think like I'm feeling that coming into the year, feeling stuck in a lot of places. And I know the more we're creating space like you encourage is like getting out and literally going for a walk and literally trying to distance ourselves to have, to be able to feel what we're actually feeling and get in touch with that is incredibly critical. And I just, I appreciate you giving us the permission, not that we needed it. So more the reminder and the words to be able to go have these conversations because it's so powerful. 
Can I share two little things that I'm doing this year that are completely left-handed moves for me, but I'm, we're really trying to normalize rest and balance. And I am trying meditation for the first time ever. I'm on day four. Y'all, it is the most hilarious thing to probably watch Becky with her crazy speed racer mind trying to meditate. My my therapist and I were joking about it yesterday, but it gets easier. And the longer, I mean, I can do it 20 seconds longer each day. And I, and learning how to quiet the mind and just get in self is a really powerful thing. The other thing I've had to do, these are just hacks. I've had to put two 10-minute breaks on my calendar mm. or 15-minute breaks one in the morning and one in the afternoon to ensure that I stop and get up and walk around and get in the sunshine and play with the dog and take a couple of breaths. And I have noticed already a shift in how just breathing makes us feel. And so this may be a little woo-woo for all of you. And I have to tell you, I would have been one of those people 10 years ago saying this is way too woo-woo, but it feels better to live and work this way. And I want to thank you for pulling all of that in and giving us a starting point. I mean, I think the reality is, is that it's not woo-woo. Like there is so much science to support this. It might feel woo-woo, but it's not. I mean, what's essentially happening when we are in those activated states, when we're in shiny object syndrome or we're in paralysis, those are both nervous system activation states. So perfectionism, Shiny object syndrome, that scattered experience that we feel in the nonprofit sector, that is a flight nervous system response. When we are paralyzed, overwhelmed, can't make decisions, can't take action, ruminating, we are in a freeze response. Both of these are very important biological responses to keep us safe in the wild. But our modern day brain cannot tell the difference between a funder saying no and a bear eating us in the woods. And so <laughs> oh it can't. It is not geared for oh today. It is not geared for today. And so what's happening is that our nervous system gets activated totally understandably by these very real painful experiences, right? Rejection being ghosted, being ghosted, mm. you guys, like we lose our sense of belonging. There's so much science. There was this research study. It actually makes me really sad to talk about it, but where there were these babies and they were playing with their moms and then they would have the moms go totally stone faced and the babies would freak out because they were losing their sense of belonging. They were losing the feedback from the mom in that moment. They would lose their sense of identity so fast. Our need for identity is faster than water <laughs> and food. It is immediate. And when we are ghosted by a donor, we are losing that sense of identity. Our nervous system is activated. Am I here? Do I exist? Did you get it? Do you care? Am I a person? And so we put fundraisers, we put nonprofit leaders in these positions to have their nervous systems activated and then we give them zero space to talk about it. We don't normalize at all how emotionally challenging this is. And then I think we do something even worse. We put them in this position to say, don't take it so personally, but definitely take this pay because of how much you believe in it. Exactly. 
And so what do we expect? What do we Mm. expect people to do? They stay in that nervous system activated state because it is not safe for them to come back to equilibrium. And in those, both of those nervous system states, shiny object syndrome and scattered fundraising and paralysis and perfectionism, no, the best work is not happening there. Creative work is not happening there. Innovation is not happening there. At, you know, failure is not happening there. So if we are not going to allow and create spaces for nonprofit leaders to be their actual embodied selves, not activated nervous system selves, then we're not going to have access to the dreams we have for this sector. Personal growth, personal development, these things are not a nice to have. They are not a separate thing from their fundraising results. So it cannot be like focus on the strategy, do all these things, make all these phone calls and get back up again after the rejection without any support around their own, you know, nervous system, personal development, coaching tools. And I think we've treated it so often like it's this secondary thing when it's really the core of their ability to realize all of their goals, to actually realize the fundraising strategy that we have. I think a lot about fundraisers. I mentioned trees before and how a five-foot tree is beautiful and a 10-foot tree is beautiful. What's so important about trees of all sizes are their roots. And the size of their roots match the size of their branches. And so if you want to see your fundraising capacity increase, you want to see your budget increase, you have to build deeper roots. And that's where the personal development comes in. And you're going to see that in the numbers. They are not separate. They are core. I so deeply believe that fundraiser wellness is at the center of fundraiser enablement. And until we realize that, and until we build that into fundraising, we're going to continue to fall short and get frustrated and not figure out why we can't figure this fundraising thing out. Mm. Okay, man, Mal, like I'm feeling energized by this conversation, but I know there's going to be a lot of people listening to that just feel like they're in a culture that doesn't mirror that, or maybe they're feeling the difference of what's being said and what's played out. And so I want to just throw this in there for people that are looking for their next thing as they find alignment and what they want in their own life this year, what they're manifesting through their actions. What about, you know, when is the right time to go find a different opportunity to pursue? When is the right time to like lean into saying, I'm going to go find a place that prioritizes the healthy culture that I want to be part of? I mean, look, I think there's two sides to this. One is that I think people have to make and set their own boundaries and their own tolerance. And it's so hard without knowing what's happening inside an organization to say, what's the threshold of enoughness? Right. Because that isn't, it's different between organizations and it's different between people. We are all activated by different scenarios. And what, what might not be so bad for me might be really bad for someone else because of their lived experience. And so I feel like one, giving everyone the credit that like you don't need to justify when you've had enough. You don't. To anyone. You do not. You do not need to justify when it is enough for you. When it is enough for you, it is enough for you. And if you feel like you have the capacity to advocate inside your organization, 
my recommendation would be to try. I do see a lot of nonprofit leaders leave because they're uncomfortable with the confrontation, but I actually believe they hold a lot of power for shifting the culture. And so they leave and they pull themselves to another organization without giving the organization an opportunity to right itself. Now, sometimes you know, based on how toxic the workplace is and the leader is, that that is not possible. And so again, your judgment, you're in there is number one. But I also think it's like checking in with yourself and saying, is there anything that I would like to do before I go? Because here's the great thing about deciding that you're going to leave. You got nothing left to lose. Yeah. So if you make the decision that like my option here, like I need to leave, I can't be in this environment anymore, then you have two options still, change the environment or leave. Either way, the current environment is no longer available to you. So you've already made that decision and you still have two options. See if you can change the environment or leave. And so I think that can help because I really do believe, I don't believe the burden of this should be falling on nonprofit employees but I do believe nonprofit employees have power that they aren't necessarily mm. tapping into. So it's like a both and. I'm just feeling like you are rising to meet the moment right now. We have talked to so many people in the community right now who are struggling with where they are at. They're struggling in nonprofit and they're just, people we're just struggling. And it's like, it's time to just take advantage of making time for yourself. And I want to tell you, it's okay. And I know we have been wired not to, that we have been wired to pour into everybody around us, but we're telling you, if you can just take the time to pour in here, you're going to be able to pour so much into the things that you care about and the people that you care about while still being a healthy human. So thank you for all of this, Mal. You know, we're going to wrap this up with a one good thing. Can you throw us just... Give us a zinger, you know, for this conversation. No pressure. Bring it on no out. It's Mal. I got no pressure. She's going to bring us a zinger. So hit us up with a one good thing. Tie it all together. I think as you think about personal growth and as you think about professional growth, to not try to silo the pieces of your humanness. I think that your body is here. Your brain is here. Your heart is here. And I think so much of when we feel so flustered, I feel like it's because all of those things are sitting in different compartments and we don't know how to bring them back together. And so if you're in that moment, we try to solve stressful situations in our brain, right? In cognition, but that's what created the stressful situation in the first place. So maybe the answer isn't there. Maybe the answer, like Becky, you were saying is getting still. Maybe the answer is putting your hands on your chest. Maybe the answer is looking in the mirror and touching your face and washing, washing your face. And as your fingers touch your skin, try to feel your fingers from your face's perspective. Have you ever noticed that when you put your hands on your face, you always feel it from your fingers. You're the giver. What if you received it? How can you close your eyes and feel the touch from your face's perspective? Everyone who's listening to this, you are, you are helpers, you are givers, you are do-gooders. You have to create space to receive from yourself and from others. It's going to fuel you. And you can't solve repeatable patterns with the same types of solutions. 
So if it is not solvable in your head, tap into your heart, tap into your body. I'll tell you, I know you told me one good thing, but I'm gonna give you one other thing <laughs> that I do. I'm sorry. I, I can't she help zinged it. us. It is so good. I feel zinged. I truly <laughs> <Okay>. feel zinged. <laughs> but one mm. other thing you can do. Sometimes when I feel like I don't know what I really want around something, mm. I stand up, I put my hands on my chest, and I ask myself a question. Like, do I really want to go blank? And if my body moves forward, the answer is yes. And if my body moves back, the answer is no. And do this for yourself the first time with a really basic question, like, am I a mom? And see what your <laughs> natural natural yes and no is. And then that's your body, that your body can answer you. Do I want to leave my job? Put your hands on your chest, ground your feet to the floor, stand up. Close your eyes, ask the question, and see which way your body sways. If you're on there saying, oh, but Mallory, like you could trick your body and it, okay, guess what that is? Your subconscious talking to you. There is no trickery here. Whichever way your body moves is what you deeply want. And it's letting other parts of you come, come online to help you answer. So if your spreadsheet with pros and cons is not working for you, you can't just keep working on that spreadsheet to have it work for you. <laughs> you need to tap into other ways of knowing. So open up space to receive, open up pathways for others, other ways of knowing. You are all intuitive, heart-centered people. You have access to so much wisdom, so much wisdom. And it's it's right behind that scattered, frantic nervous system energy. Grateful for you, my friend. Wow. I feel so loved and centered. Thank you so much, Mal. Okay. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me to talk about this. I mean, we can point you to all the ways to find Mallory, but you don't want to miss her podcast, What the Fundraising, all the ways you show up online. This is the way Mallory shows up yeah. every time I engage with her online. Like this is how she serves. So go find her. Is there anything specifically you want to lift today, Mal? I mean, you have so many cool things happening. So I just want to give you the floor of how the best way to connect with you. Yeah. If you are interested, the primary way to see the intersection, to work with me on the intersection of executive coaching um, and behavior and habit change and fundraising strategy is through my signature course, The Power Partners Formula. You can go over to MalloryErickson.com backslash power partners, but it is really interweaving everything that I talked about today with fundraising strategy. So we acknowledge when we're giving you a specific strategy that is likely going to activate your nervous system, you are being you are being given coaching tools in that moment to bring you back into a grounded state before you click send on that email. So it really is the best way that I could figure out how to, to scale and show up as a coach for so many folks. And then um, you also get to work with me live twice a month um, on live coaching calls. So it's such an honor to get to work with so many fundraisers that way. Don't walk, run to that course. Yeah. That's how groundbreaking and revolutionary it is. And I want to put in just a plug that if you're not ready to get into a course or get into intentional work, which we hope you will do, go follow Mal because she drops these nuggets of gold all the time. LinkedIn, TikTok, Instagram, it will just center you in less than three minutes and get you back on that train to go out and do good work. So thank you, my friend. Hey friends, thanks so much for being here. Did you know we create a landing page for each podcast episode with helpful links, freebies, and even shareable graphics? Be sure to check it out at the link in this episode's description. 
You probably hear it in our voices, but we love connecting you with the most innovative people to help you achieve more for your mission than ever before. We'd love for you to join our good community. It's free, and you can think of it as the after party to each podcast episode. You can sign up today at weareforgood.com backslash hello. One more thing. If you loved what you heard today, would you mind leaving us a podcast rating and review? It means the world to us, and your support helps more people find our community. Thanks, friends. I'm our producer, Julie Comfer, and our theme song is Sunray by Remy Borsboom. Rabbit fans have always powered the We Are For Good podcast, but now Rabbit fans can get even more goodness and access by joining Good Friends. It's our listener support community for the We Are For Good podcast. Good Friends comes with perks, exclusive episodes with John and I, including The Good Brief, our new monthly cliff notes of the greatest takeaways and lessons learned from that month, and exclusive AMA episodes where we answer your burning questions and tap our community of experts. Join now or learn more at weareforgood.com backslash friends. We can't wait to see you inside. That's weareforgood.com slash friends.